Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris and Scott Lease with another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast brought to you by our awesome, awesome January sponsors of Salesforce Revenue Cloud, Vidyard, Lead411, and Wingman. Um, every one of these sponsors helps the sales community, which we love and support, and that's why we want to support them as much as they support us. So please, if you ever have questions uh, about them, go check them out. It's early 2021 in the calendar year, and every one of these tools and services can support you in your revenue growth. That being said, this is a very different episode. Scott Lease is flying completely blind. I almost should have made him put a blindfold on for this one. And we've got a very special guest, uh, Robbie Rajani. I hope I, I said your last name right, Robbie. You did. Actually, one of the very few. I get I get some really interesting ones. So yeah, R Ravi Rajani, man, you got it. Spoiled. Ravi Rajani. All right. Or, so, or Ravi, Ravi. Whatever you prefer, bro. All good. All right. good. It's all good. So um, we'll get into the backstory of how he and I met and how he got here. But with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Ravi and he's going to run Scott through a really cool exercise that I think will be educational for all of us. And um, Ravi, take it away. Sure, buddy. Sure, sure, sure. Should so, I be nervous? Should I be nervous? No, no Scott, no. you're gonna like this. You're gonna like this. I promise. <laughs> super chilled. Super chilled. So behind me, there's three legends. Okay, so there's Gandhi, there's Mr. Bruce Lee, and Muhammad Ali. Now, what I think would be pretty cool, Scott, if we play a little game. And the game is, is in a second, I'm gonna ask you to tell me a story in less than thirty seconds about one of the dudes in the pictures behind me. So how it will work is, for example, I'll say, Scott, can you tell me a little story about Bruce Lee? I'll give you 30 seconds to think of your story and then you'll have 30 seconds to tell your story. And at the end, we can go through how that went and some cool things as to the delivery of it and how you did a told an awesome story, I'm sure. So are you good? Are we ready? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna start the timer and I'm gonna start counting in three, two, one, you've got 30 seconds to think about your story. Go. Do I have to take the whole 30 seconds? You don't, dude. If you wanna, if you wanna go for gold, we can go. You just tell me I'm when you're ready. ready. I'm, re I'm ready to okay. roll. All, All right. right. Scott, please tell me a story about Bruce Lee. I'm really glad you picked him, first of all, because that's the story that was in my head. Uh, I don't know how many people know this, but Kareem Abdul Jabbar, whose name used to be Lou Alcindor, and Bruce Lee were really good friends. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wanted to learn about Bruce Lee's, you know, mindset and how his philosophy and how he, how he thinks about everything. And as a favor, Bruce Lee had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar star or guest star in, uh, in one of his movies. Um, so it's just kind of interesting how the, 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 the power of relationships and paying it forward kind of goes. Interesting, man. Nice. Was it less than 30 seconds? It was more, dude. It was more. Do you want to get? Do, do you want to guess failed. where you were? Do you want to guess how long it took? Fifty-one. Nah, I want, no, it was thirty-six. You were good. Thirty-six. Thirty-six seconds. We were good. So let's let's pause before you give some feedback, Ravi, and, and tell people what you do, like so that they understand the context now of the feedback you're going to give to Scott. Totally, totally. So. In a nutshell, what I do is I'm a speaking and presentation coach and I help leaders and sales teams speak with confidence, share profitable stories and deliver impactful virtual presentations. So that's what I do. Very cool. So I failed. 
So we Definitely. clearly, we've clearly established that I am not ready for prime time. Definitely. Well, there's, there's, it, I wouldn't say it was a failure at all. So permission to be super candid and honest. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, man. So what I'd love to know firstly, in terms of a few things that you think you did really well, what do you think those things are? If you could say, man, I actually nailed that. What would that be? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe, uh, coming up with a, a interesting kind of fact or tidbit that, that some people don't know. So some kind of something that's like new and interesting to hear about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anything else? I think I've managed to decently tie it into kind of relationship building and rule of reciprocity, although I didn't get that phrase out mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and aligning yourself with, with people who you want to learn from. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And if there was, if I said, dude, we're going to run that exercise again and you had the opportunity to actually do it again, what do you think you'd do differently if you could? Well, number one, I would make sure that I got it in less than 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Number two, I, if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit worried I'd screw it up and, and, and do worse next time because I'd like overthink it. Uh -huh. Interesting, interesting. And overthinking in terms of what specifically? Is it the actual golden nugget that you want to deliver to the audience or is it something completely different, a new story? What, what would you say that is? What specific well, Richard knows this about me. The, the odds of me telling the exact same story twice would be, you know, slim to none. So I'd probably try to like do a brand new story and do it in less yeah. than 30 seconds. And, and I'm, I'd be worried that I would shank. Got you. Got you. Shank. I love that word, dude. I thought that was just a London word. We'd be like, dude, you shanked that. That's well, okay. Probably, like that. probably because, you know, I, I had English and Irish, you know, soccer coaches and teammates for that's 20 it. years. That's it. I was going to say, that's a soccer term. Like, bro, yeah, you it's shanked bled, It's bled into my lexicon. But <laughs> I mean, Scott also, not only was he ambitious in thinking he could play professional soccer, he did go to Europe for about a year, I think, and played, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Scott? Not that long, but yeah, in uh, in, in Ireland, actually. Right. Oh, no way. In Dublin or? Dundalk. Oh, wow. Nice, dude. Cool. I didn't know that. Fun fact. <laughs> Didn't know that. Cool, man. Awesome. So here's here's my perspective on it. Here's a few things I think you did really cool, really well. And here's a few things to think about. So when it came to giving you this task, generally, most people are like, oh, okay, the 30 seconds, you can see their the cogs are going in their head and their eyes are everywhere. They're darting around. And what happens is, is you can also notice fear in somebody's eyes. Yeah. I remember... Uh, you know, I had a client of mine who's in a boot camp that I run. And when he was presenting at one point, even though his body language seemed confident, you could sense it in his eyes. They were glassy as hell. They were like going everywhere. For you, it was, hey man, this is, this is fun. This is different, but I'm ready. Let's go. And I thought that was really cool. You could see the confidence in your eyes. The second thing is, is you told a story, I think, which actually broke 
the concept of predictability. Because the moment I say Bruce Lee, people go to the concept of self-discipline, the concept of doing one kick a thousand times versus doing, you know, a thousand kicks, whatever, however many times. So you told something about the power of relationships, which I actually didn't expect from you, which is cool because in storytelling, it is all about unpredictability because our minds are wired to hear the same dribble every single day. And then finally as well, you did it in 36, which is pretty good. I've had people do it, you know, genuinely. I've had somebody do it in 90 seconds and was like, man, that was that was good. I know I went a bit over, but what, 35, <laughs> 40 rav? I'm like, bro, that was 90 seconds, man. So that, that, that was really cool. Now, here's a few things to think about. Imagine this. I'm getting married this year, and I hope my best man does this, but... He could say something like this. If I put him on the spot, I'm like, dude, tell us a story. Tell me, tell, tell everybody a story about us. And if he stood up and he said, you know what? I'd love to tell you a story about my good friend, Rav. And then he gave the meat of the story. And then he ends it with, and that's a story about my good friend, Rav. What happens is, is the audience are like, man, this, this dude is prepared. Did he just, how did he just pull that out of thin air? So the way you start the story and the way you end the story can give the illusion that actually you've delivered this hundred times. The confidence that it breeds and the certainty ends up being really high. So that's one really interesting way to start a story. And people have been doing it for years. And the best example is weddings. The second thing to think about is, Sometimes it's not just about what we say, it's about how we say it. And both of you know that extremely well, being in the spaces that you are and the things that you've both achieved. Now, if you take, for example, if I'm telling a story right now, and I call it the mountain method. So if I'm telling a story about this dude that sold a business from, you know, he went from zero to 100 million in three years and sold it to some PE company. If I just hold it like that, it doesn't really elicit any emotion. But if I'm climbing up the mountain, and I'm telling this story about this dude who went from zero to $100 million in revenue in less than four years, but then later fell into a deep depression because he lost his purpose and he realized wealth doesn't mean, I don't know if you can swear on this podcast. Yeah, oh, whatever, go for it. Wealth doesn't mean shit if you don't have purpose, right? So I went up the mountain, and I went down. And another way to think about it is the intonation in our voice. Oh, yeah. The rise and fall in our voices really helps create that pattern interruption. And one thing to think about as well is throughout your story, I think my dog just tried to come in the room. The, the, uh, throughout your story, how can you use intonation, the rise and the fall in your voice to really capture the audience's attention? Another thing to think about very quickly is a really quick story structure. So for example, here's the opener. Now the opener, what's very interesting is when a lot of people start stories, they could say the 2nd of September, 2018 at 4 p.m. And it's so specific. It's so, so specific that once again, it breeds confidence and it generates intrigue. So that story about Kareem and Bruce Lee, was there a specific moment in time where they met? Was it after a specific movie? Was it, was there a, is there any specificity that you could actually provide, yeah. which once again creates intrigue? And yeah. then we've got the setup for the story, okay? And also one thing to mention is at the beginning, the cool thing to also think about is how can we hook our audience? Because you and I both know, how much content do we see on LinkedIn and you scroll straight past, and then you see one, 
three second video, that uh, a 60 second video, and then within three seconds, you're like, oh, whoa, it's quite polarizing, or it speaks to one specific person in a very specific way. And then you move to the setup of the story, you give the meat, and then you give them the life-changing perspective, the golden nugget. And for you, I really felt that you are somebody who one of your core values is clearly relationships. And it's one thing that's really helped you to get to where you are. And I could feel that, but also I could feel it, but I couldn't, I wouldn't spoon fed it. And in a 30 second story, I think being spoon fed that would yeah. actually give me more of an aha moment, which could be cool. And then you end the story. It could do a CTA or be the best man at the wedding. Now, another thing on the delivery was a lot of people do this, by the way, and we've all done it. We've all made this mistake where when we're delivering the story, when you're under pressure, the mind wants to go to what feels the most comfortable. And what feels the most comfortable is actually looking at somebody. Like I'm looking at Richard right now. I'm having a chat with Richard. And now I'm looking at Scott. But the connection is it's gone. Now I've got the ability to look into one lens and impact the both of you and create connection. And that's actually the beauty of the virtual presentations, which is you couldn't do that before. You had to scan the room. Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? But now you both feel like, oh no, Rav's talking to me. So actually looking through the lens could be also something to think about. Yeah. That's what I'd say. But all round, dude, 36 seconds, you went for it. Amazing, man. It's cool. All I want to know is, did I do better than Richard? Well, you know what? The only way to really test it is... Yeah, but now he know he got all these tips and tricks and now he <laughs> Now, you know what? Richard, Richard did a really good job as well. I... I, if I recall correctly, he did it under 30 seconds. I think he did it like 29 or something like that. I think what happened, I think what happened was um, you told me to pick somebody. I had to pick the person and I didn't even take 30 seconds, but I think I went for a minute and you, you were polite enough to say, well, you still did it under time because you didn't need 30 seconds. So I gave you the 30 seconds to tell the story. I think that's what happened. But it was well, I got graded a lot harder. I didn't take 30 seconds either. See, right. there, there, there's no competitiveness here, Robbie. No. <laughs> but Scott, so Scott, I want to pause for a second. Like you knew nothing about this coming in. Um, I, you know, Rob doesn't, Robbie doesn't know this about you, but I do know your annotations. Like I can see Scott, I've mocked Scott in fun ways. Like I, you know, with sales teams, but I've seen him where he, you really do know how to raise your voice, speed it up and slow it down. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, Scott's also very famous for snapping to get people's attention really, really well, um, particularly, you know, not just as kids, but also employees. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I'm curious, Scott, like, what did you think going through this? Like what you, cause you knew nothing, right? Like, what do you think of this feedback? What do you think about, like of all the things that he gave you as tips, what are the two things or three things that you're like, oh yeah, that's a good one. Why? Well, I actually am massively fixated and focused right now on the look into the lens one because I absolutely suck at that. I suck at it. I, I've, you know, I'm almost never on Zooms with just one person. So I'm always looking at, you know, this corner or that corner. I'm, I'm looking at different people. And, and even when you're talking and there's just three of us here, like I'm on the gallery view and you're Richard and I are at the top and you're underneath me. So I'm looking down to look at you. 
rather than looking at the camera and piercing through. It's very awkward for me, even after doing this for a year, it's very awkward for me to stare right into the lens when I'm, when I talk, yeah. because I feel like I have to look at the face. Mm. Um, and so that this is, this has been a very hard habit for me to, to try to break. And so, you know, to get called out on it, like, like Robbie just did, I'm not surprised now that I know, you know, what his, what his profession is and what his background is and all this kind of stuff. So it's a good kick in the ass to, you know, find ways to, to improve upon that. The other feedback that, that he gave me, um, I completely agree with. And, you know, candidly, like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just like winging something, doing the best I can. I don't even really know exactly what kind of story, right? So I think the point is, uh, as good as maybe we all think we might be doing things off the cuff, it's a good reminder that we're not necessarily, you know, an A plus performer without a little bit of practice, without a little bit of, you know, rehearsal, without a little bit of pregame. You know what I mean? Mm. So those are, those are my big takeaways. Cool. All right, let, let's go into our into our sort of traditional stuff. So, Ravi, you know, I, I know you didn't come out of the birth canal saying I'm going to be a speaker coach, right? What was your what's your background like? in terms of sales or profession, just so people have more context as we go yeah, into things. Totally do. So for me, really, as you, you hit the nail on the head, I didn't get my start as the professional speaker or that dude who has a million views on a TED talk that went viral. For me, I was seven, eight years old. My mom put me in dance school with the same school as my sister. I was the only dude in my school doing dance every day. Mom, can I quit? Mom, can I quit? I secretly loved it, but man, I was super embarrassed. I just wanted to quit. Eventually, she did. But I ended up stumbling and even fumbling my way into theater as a teen. My best friend's father was a playwright. And over the years, people would be like, Rab, are you going to take this whole speaking, presenting, and acting thing seriously? Because, dude, you're pretty good at it. And in my head, I'd, I was always thinking, mm, nah, <laughs> I want to go make some money. Like all I wanted to do was make money. So I finished up business school and I ended up on the trading floor at Citibank over in London, where I was selling foreign exchange products to different corporates in corporate sales. Eventually, I left that world in 2016. And that's where I began my time in sales leadership in various high I suppose high growth, early stage startups, TV over here in the UK, radio, coaching, personal branding. And over time it hit me, this, it just, it really hit me with this really key thing, which is I've never been the smartest dude in the room. I really haven't, but one thing I've been able to do is communicate my value effectively. And I realized it's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it, which is led me to my big mission now, which is helping leaders and teams speak with confidence, share profitable stories, and actually deliver impactful virtual presentations without Zoom gloom or Zoom fatigue. So how did you, I mean, that's a big transition from what you were doing into this, yeah. right? Yeah. How did you try to find, and it, and, it's, and it sort of goes with the theme we talk about in terms of the side hustle, right? And how do you take your side hustle, which is often a passion project, and turn it into a business? Right. Yeah. How did you go through that? Were you starting to do this coaching stuff on the side, and then you built up enough income and you moved it? How did you establish credibility, you know, early on to be this 
you know, coach and, you know, where, where did, how did that occur for you? Yeah, it was one of those things where, so when I left in 2016, the world of banking, I was doing various different things, probably call it a portfolio career where I was enjoying sales leadership in startups, but I had this blog I was running around personal finance. It was giving me the opportunity to do TV and radio here in the UK. And then that transitioned into coaching. And I started to learn, okay, I was in a completely different niche back then. I was first started out helping people with their personal finances. I was like, this is interesting. This is cool. But I had people coming to me saying, Rav, actually you left that corporate world behind and now you're doing something completely different. Can you teach me how to make that transition to actually do something that you love? And as you can imagine, go onto any trading floor or any financial environment in the world, there's a lot of people who may be smiling, but let's just be real, they're not really happy behind the scenes. They're locked into the wealth trap or they keep saying things like, I wish I had done that, I could have done that. And they end up locking themselves into a life they don't really love. And I had the opportunity to coach people in that scenario. And I thought, huh, this is pretty cool here, man. And I ended up closing that program because I didn't actually resonate with it after a period of time. And I had the opportunity to move to this business called Fly Now, Pay Later. And they said, look, come in, build out our sales team from scratch. And you can also you know, come in for a couple of days a week on a consulting, contracting basis and continue with all the coaching that you're doing and the different side hustles. We love it. We appreciate it. So go do it. That gave me the opportunity to, to do that. And over time, I ended up, scaling that team and it was amazing it was fun i was still doing coaching and then covid hit <laughs> and guess what we were in the travel market so march 2020 last year i remember sending around a message to my team and they were all like rav are you gonna make us go home we're gonna be working from home and we all sent around this joke in the group whatsapp group where it was like COVID-19 related rules for the next three months for, for the business. And it was like a monkey, like eating a banana saying, ha, got you or something like that. Being like, we're never gonna be working from home. This is just, this is gonna pass. Within a week, we're working from home, 95% down in sales and having to make really difficult decisions. Letting go of team members, um, restructuring, etc. And the love for coaching as well as speaking, selling, presenting, all of these things started to come back as I started to get more active on LinkedIn. And it became this natural transition where I found that, you know what, I don't feel like I resonate with this specific thing anymore uh, when it came to working with the business. I no longer felt like my value system was aligned and the business was growing. So I was like, let's go all in. So that's what happened last year. Love everything about that story, except for the fact it took you longer than 30 seconds to deliver it. Actually, what I love is that you, um, similar to me, you were double dipping. Yeah. You know, you, you were building and scaling a sales org while running, you know, this side hustle and consulting, you know, yeah. business. Exactly. And then, you know, you you got that side hustle stuff to a point where it gave you the confidence to cut the W2 kind of cord. Do you, is that something that you're, you're very passionate about and you believe in as like the right methodology or did that just happen in your life and you know, anybody can do it any, any way they want. I'm curious what you think about, about this. 
Man, that's a good question. I, I honestly think that, I think growing up, I would have this belief that there's a blueprint. There was like this thing that if you did it this way, yeah. you could unlock X, Y, Z, but you could only do it this way. And growing up, my father was in corporate. My family were in corporate. There was no entrepreneurs around me. Yes, they may have been quote unquote entrepreneurs, but that term is new. It wasn't really around back then. So all I saw was, okay, you do this, you do that, you achieve this and yeah. great. So I saw one way of doing things. So I think naturally I started to believe, well, there's a blueprint. And I think for me, great, that worked. But I do think it's about context. And I think that's what people often... <sighs> I wouldn't say fail to recognize, but they can get swept away in the dream of, okay, I can do this and I'm going to create a multiple six-figure business if I invest in this program and do this. But okay, what about your obligations? And what about actually, is this what you want? Is it what other people want for you? Like, what, yeah. is the, what is the why behind what you want? And I think for me, great, this worked, but it may not be the route for everybody. I've got friends who went all in because they had a specific situation where early on they were like, bam, all in. I've had other people who still have a fruitful career and they say, you know what? I'll always have it because it allows me to pay the bills and do something I love on the side. But I think sometimes we glamorize going all in on something too much. Yeah. It's, it's got to be right for that person at that point in their life. Yeah, that's a great way to, to put it. My, what I want to know now is, you work with, with people um, to improve these skills and their speaking. Yeah. What, what's, the, what's the common thread amongst people that take it to heart and improve and go out and take action with it, right? And you're like, oh shit, that person gets it now versus the people who struggle, you know, or wrestle with it conceptually or are hesitant to put it in practice or, you know, not that this is a knock against your training, just like, can't do it. Like, oh, yeah, don't progress. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What is, yeah. what is the common threads there and in the people that, it, you know, really succeed and thrive with it and the people that kind of stagnate and go nowhere, stay where they are? Yeah, interesting. I think two things stick out. Number one, one really, really big common theme is imposter syndrome. So what will happen is, is it's funny because they're learning how to tell more effective stories, but they have this invisible script anyway, we all do, that we've been telling ourselves a specific story our entire life. And for most people, they've actually suffered with speaking for decades. I, I, I've had one person say, actually, this is a brand new feeling. And actually, I just want to master it. But more often than not, that person isn't enough pain to actually say, I really need to change. Yeah. So the imposter syndrome is one thing that has, they've been riddled with because they, even though they're in that certain position where they're a leader or exec, they for some reason feel that, well, there's another person who scaled their business, not just from zero to 10 million, they've actually yeah. done zero to 100. So actually I need to wait till I get to 100 to share my story. So I think that's a really interesting part, which we weirdly, and many, many people- Most um, people. Off, most people, most everyone, people. Everyone, yeah. everyone has moments of imposter syndrome, but there's moments and then there's being an actual fraud, like Leo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's a fraud, dude. But there's moments of being a fraud as well. 
So I think that's an interesting concept and how we actually overcome that. In my program, we use hypnotherapy, mm. which is so completely different to what many people expect. They go, okay, so where should I put my hands? I'm like, dude, don't worry about your hands. Don't worry about your hands just yet, you know? Where, how do I stand? Where should my hand, where, no, where should my, uh, you know, where should my tone be? Is it the late night DJ FM voice or, you know, is it up here? Is it up, I mean, like, actually first, we've got to get comfortable with the story that we're telling ourselves. So hypnotherapy has really helped a lot of my clients with that. Now, the second thing is boring as hell, but I swear it is the one thing that can unlock Oh, success to ridiculous levels. So the both of you will know this in the sales space. You can't just do one cold call and go, well, yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm good, man. <laughs> but the truth is we are expected for some reason as a leader to have our ducks in a row. We're supposed to be flying around everywhere like Superman and Superwoman. And that one of those things is that speaking, you should just be good at if you become a leader. Yeah. And that yeah. you're born with it. So one thing I actually get my clients to do is video challenges. I give them a topic. So for example, the first topic on day one is, I'm a genie, you rub my lamp. That sounds creepy, but you rub my lamp, right? And then you've got three wishes. In 59 seconds, tell me what would your three wishes be and why? And they've got stories like that, which they have to tell every single day. And then I'm hitting them with direct feedback every single day. And what happens is they start to gain self-awareness around, wow, actually, when I'm not talking to myself, uh, when I'm talking on Zoom with somebody else and I'm listening, my mouth is wide open. And then I snap back into action or whatever it could be. You start noticing things about yourself. When you're thinking, actually, you go, and then you're back. <laughs> yeah, so many people do these little mannerisms you don't notice, which impacts your personal brand. And that, once they do it and they get the reps in, they realize it's a skill that you can learn. And then they're like, wow, well, I've done 10. Man, I want to do 15, 20 and get really good at it. And that thing there, I think, is the recognition that it's a skill and that you aren't necessarily just born with it, but you can actually learn it. It's super important. That's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift this a little bit because I want to talk about how you got here, right? Um, All right. And oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is lead gen, right? Like this is what we all do through LinkedIn. And it, I'd be, I'm curious to know if what happened for us and what I said to you is what you get all the time or does, you know, or, or is Richard just an asshole, which is, you know, probably 50% accurate, um, maybe 51%. Uh, so you sent me this note that says hey, you sent me a connection. I don't think you sent me a message in the connection i'm not sure oh no here they are yes it was it was this was your message hey richard hey richard connection requests are pretty boring these days as a way to introduce myself here are three random facts about me i'm obsessed with the movie limitless i have a puppy called nelly and i once worked in corporate and now i'm a speaking coach let's connect rav i sent back a message to you because this is what i do this is my knee-jerk reaction which is hey great message don't need your services at the moment though i'm happy to connect I saw that you're a speaking coach. I know you're going to turn around and pitch me. You know, like that's that's where my mindset goes. And then the next thing you did is you sent a voice message on LinkedIn, really coming in to just sort of say, hey, it's not a problem. Like I don't, you know, I'm not really trying here to pitch you, but this is what I do. Or, or I can't even remember what the voicemail. But the fact that you took my objection and then made it hyper-personal with the voice piece through LinkedIn um, turned around and I said, best reply ever. Okay, let's talk. I don't have need for your services, but willing to build the relationship well played and thank you. 
And so we got on a call, we just chatted for 30 minutes or so. And you ran me through this exercise, you ran through Scott. I think we ended up going about 45 minutes. At least I was having fun. I think you were having fun. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I was like, okay, I got to get you on the podcast. I'm immediately like, oh, we got to do this with Scott without telling him what we're doing. And like, this is the kind of stuff Scott likes, by the way, like he, you know, he, he wants to be educated in different and fun ways. So I wanted to bring this up because I want to let people know that this was, I thought the technique he used was brilliant. It did work for me, which typically it doesn't. And oftentimes I say, Hey, no need. Thanks for your services. And people will go, okay, thanks for letting me know. And you didn't give, you didn't necessarily give up, but you also didn't sort of be normal, right? You broke the mold. Is that what you, do you normally get that kind of response when you send something like that out or what's it like? Cause I, I, you know, people love to figure out how to do better on LinkedIn. So that's the reason I'm, I'm asking this question. Totally, man. And the truth is, I think I'd seen your content months ago, I think via Kevin Dorsey, who I follow. And I, 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 it's coming to me now where I think- God, I'm we should have KD come on and do this with us live with Rob, like we did with you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Um, so I saw a post of his where, no, actually it was your post and he commented on it. And I think you were releasing a program and you spoke about the imposter syndrome that was kicking in. And you've also spoke about um, mental health really openly. And I was like, this dude's different. Because it's not the whole, okay, I can help you close 10x more deals in less than 90 days without yeah, feeling sexy. Right? It's like, it, it, it was different. It felt different to me. And I was like, hmm, this dude probably gets standardized. Okay, thank you, man. On to the next consistently. And I wanted to do something different, but genuinely, and I told you this on the call, I didn't actually expect you to say, by the way, book a call. I just wanted to acknowledge you because I remembered that post. And I actually think it gives so many people, consultants, seasoned consultants, as well as junior salespeople, the permission to be imperfect in a sales environment and actually know that that can be your key to success. Because I genuinely feel like, people think if you're in sales, you have to be this caricature of yourself. So I wanted to acknowledge you for that. And then it led into a call. But I do do on purpose, the voice notes and video DMs, because, hey, if I'm a speaking and presentation coach, if I'm hiding behind the keyboard, I want to ensure that you learn a little bit more about me, my personality, and exactly, does this, does this dude actually practice what he preaches? right? Like, is he actually, for example, good at speaking himself? Or is he just one of those dudes pushing some pod products for money? So I wanted to showcase my skill set as well as acknowledge you and also build a relationship myself. It doesn't have to be the one hit wonder. Who knows? It could, it could develop over time. And we ended up having a call. And I think, I'll be honest, I didn't expect to connect with you in the way that I did. <laughs> like I didn't expect to connect us two to connect in the way. Nobody ever does. I'm a lot like George Costanza that way. <laughs> it was just fun. And I was like, man, that was a really good call. And I just enjoyed it. And I was like, man, I told you, I didn't want anything. I was like, who knows what will come out of it. It's just, it was just fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's why I wanted you to tell that story too, because I think that's the piece, right? You, not only do you practice what you preach, you explain the thought process that's different and you told it in a story that made it interesting for people who are listening. At least I hope they do. <laughs> we'll see. Um, Cool. Well, we're, we're, we're at that part of the show where we, and I even forgot to tell you this, Rob, but yeah. where, where we, we got to sort of wrap it up and we have a question for you specific 
Um, but obviously, we need to give a, a quick thanks to our sponsors of Wingman, Lead 411, Vidyard, and Salesforce Revenue Cloud. Um, but our, our question always back to people is, how can we help you? What advice can we give you? You've given us so much. We're gracious for it. Is there something you would like to ask somebody that maybe you don't always get a chance to do? Yeah, I'd love to. Actually, I'd, wow. Okay. Hello. I didn't expect you can that, take 30 so. seconds. Scott, hey. 30 seconds to think about it. And then your question has to be delivered in 30 <laughs> seconds. Ready? Go. So I'd love to tell you a story about the question I want to ask you both. No, I'm joking. So what we're going to do is, is I, no, I genuinely do want to ask you a question, the both of you, is you see a lot of salespeople, okay? Like coached in the teams that you've helped. And when it comes to the ability to actually remember that it's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it, the tonality, the frame, you know, and all of these different things. What do you both pull from in your training to teach somebody the importance of that? Do you pull on the tonality, volume, speed, the frame, or do you use a completely different framework that I don't know about? Because I'm curious, because when I was delivering this training last week with the business, they're used to hardcore sales strategies, but actually sometimes it's not just a strategy, it's the mindset and the way that you say things. So what do you both pull from when you're training teams on this and who do you pull from? Want me to go first, Richard? Yeah, go for it. I need um, more than 30 seconds to formulate my answer. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't pull from anyone <clears throat> and, and, and never, never have at least not on purpose. Um, so you could list the, you know, 50 most famous like books of how to sell. I've read none of them and, really? and don't really, and don't really care to, um, <clears throat> whether that's like the rebelliousness of me or, or what, I don't know what it is, but so I don't pull from anyone. Um, but I actually teach it the same way you do. And, and it's very under taught and not focused on enough. Uh, I will tell you a quick story and it will be in under 30 seconds. I once sat with a sales rep and we rehearsed the same line probably a hundred times because they couldn't get it right. It was too sharp. It was too flat. It was too loud. It was too soft. And we just did it over and over and over until they could repeat it. That level of precision and focus on tonality and, and cadence and the delivery, uh, not enough people do. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge supporter of, of it and, and I practice what I preach. All right, I'm gonna answer. First, I'm gonna call a little bit of bullshit on Scott. I agree that he doesn't read the sales books, but I do know that he reads other types of nonfiction work. So for example, right now- I didn't say I didn't read. I just don't have, I don't, I didn't, I don't pull my coaching from like, you know, so how to win friends and finish. influence Stop people. getting all defensive, dude. Stop being defensive. So for example, I'm reading and I can't believe Scott didn't make all of us when I work for him, all four of us, his managers read this, but I'm reading uh, the score takes care of itself, right? Which is Bill Walsh's book. And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this book and reading this book. And I'm like, I've seen Scott do that. I've seen Scott do this. I've, I've never read this book. You've never read Bill Walsh's book. Never. Dude, you got to go read this. Like this, like top of the list. And it's really cool because it's it's not, he tells all these, I, you're a huge 49er fan. I'm shocked. But he tells these principles in a way that how he ran the team, how precision he got, 
how he changed everything from the day he got there to how people answered the phone, to how everybody was on a first name basis to this relationship side of things. And then he does apply it into a business perspective. And Scott, I think you would be like, Jesus fucking Christ, I, I'm as smart as this guy, right? Like, like Scott, in fact, Scott, I think, I think you need to write your third book needs to be called The West Coast Offense for Sales. Oh, I like that. That's a good title. That's a good title. So anyway, so, so I've seen Scott do this because I worked for him a long time for a while and, and I've just over the years gotten to know him. So he, that's one thing. Now, I will tell you that I draw a lot of inspiration from Scott. Scott has this, I've said a thousand times, has this ability to see and motivate people differently. And I'm a little bit more rigid where I think I need to follow the practice of, oh, here's the plan. You follow the plan and I have to work on being less robotic. Here's the difference. I definitely do role playing like Scott does, but I actually have a training document and we walk through tonality. We walk through a curiosity tone. When do you use it? We walk through the hypothetical tone. How do you use that in a sales process? So I get much more tactical, whereas Scott is tactical, but less structured around it. And I, Scott, tell me if you think I'm, I'm right or wrong on that. No, that's absolutely true. Right. And which is also why I think we, you know, we always find reasons why we get along is because I'm really good at tactics and Scott's really good at vision. Um, So I think that's, that's probably, so that is my answer. I do draw a lot of inspiration from books, from nonfiction work. I've stopped reading a lot of the business books. Um, Probably the only business book I I would read is, and I haven't even read the second one yet is, is Chris Voss. That's probably the one where I got the most, right. Which, you know, everybody in sales is all over that book, right. Never split the difference. Um, Scott also wrote, now one place where Scott's not in, Scott just released a leadership book about what it takes. Yeah, but but if you want to be a manager, here's what you need to expect because nobody will teach you this shit. Mm. And that is actually very tactical. There's a lot of bullet points in that. And it was the first time I saw Scott kind of get so tactical in it, um, but it's a great book. So, uh, so anyway, so that's where I draw. Scott is really a lot of my spirit animal and inspiration for things to help yeah. me to your point, what did you, you said, uh, permission to be imperfect or oh, the invisible script. I've always had the invisible script and Scott has always found a way to help break me through that. And, um, and so I think that's, that's where I get a lot of my stuff. So. That's great, man. That's really so. interesting. And uh, what you mentioned, Scott, about that one rep saying that one line, I just feel like people don't want to put in the work to do it. If I'm just yeah. being blunt, people just don't want to do that stuff. They just, they just think it's, irrelevant but how can you really go how can you really master that specific thing going back to bruce over there yeah i love that i I don't hear many people talking about that we may you know i hate that we have to cut this cut this now um but we do but i would i think we should have you come back and run scott and i through a hypnotherapy session on zoom like i think that that would be i tell you what i tell you what i don't do that i'm not qualified i've got a i've got actually a lady who trained with marissa peer who teaches that inside of my boot camp Honestly, her voice, it like, it's going to send you to sleep. It should be on the car map. It's, it's amazing. But yeah, she, she specifically works with my clients on that, not me. And can she do it over Zoom? Like, is it, is it something? I mean, is it? Zoom. And what about, you know, there's a lot of people like, ah, oh, bullshit, hypnotherapy, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Does, do those people actually have an awakening of like, okay, this could actually work? So I had this one dude um, who 
you know, you could call it hypnotherapy or rapid transformational coaching and rapid transformational coaching sounds so much more salesy and yeah, I want to do that. So they're like, yeah, I'll do that. But hypnotherapy, nah, man, nah, I'm not doing that. It's so funny. So when, when they get involved with it, they go, I've never done meditation. I'm not sure about it. And in the first session, what she does with people, when she, so I have, uh, people either listen to audio recordings or they can do it one-to-one. And when she did it with one-to-one with people, she takes them back to early childhood memories and starts to rewire the way that they frame those memories up here. And once they do that, they, I always get a call afterwards like, Rab, that was weird. I'm like, why? And they're like, it was deep, bro. Like, it was deep. I feel weird. Like, what do I do? I'm like, chill, do your thing. And then they listen to that recording for the next 30 days. And then that is the beauty in it. You start seeing a shift, which is why I do the 10-day video challenge straight after because they go, oh my God, I never expected I could do that. And they start seeing the change. But um, there is there is a massive stigma around it, but it's partially why I want to do it because I believe it can unlock long-lasting success, not just putting a bandage over the issue. Fun fact, Richard, I don't even know if you know this. Fun fact, I've done hypnotherapy multiple times. You have? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No way. Did you like it, Scott? Yeah, I love it. Loved yeah, it. it's cool. Dude, first time I did it, my sister told me to, I was in tears. Yeah. I was like, I came afterwards. And then my sister was like, how was it? I was like, man, I feel raw. I need, I yeah, need a I week. Had, I had a very similar experience. Yeah. I, got, I was like super emotional. It was, Same. It, was a, it, was, it was a real thing. You should try it, Richard. I would, I, I, in a heartbeat, I would try it. What yeah. was the... Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll ask Rob to, to put us in she's touch with his, with his colleague and we'll do it live. Yeah, if she's up for it. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, that would be cool. I'll get in touch. We should, we should, we should uh, broker that for sure. I'll yeah. tell her. That would be fun. That's awesome. Hey, Rob, thanks for doing this, man. I, I know you're in some ways you're giving away your services for free to Scott. So you can send him a bill if you need to. Um, no but this was this was awesome. Where can people get in touch with you um, so that because if they are interested, I want to support you, too. Right. Like that's important. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. The, the main place where I hang out on is LinkedIn. There's tons of free content in there shoot me a dm take a look at some of the stuff which may resonate i'd love to see if i can support you in any way and regardless it'll be cool to connect yeah and so just for folks it's ravi rajani r-a-v-i-r-a-j-a-n-i so yes sir a-j-a-n-i i just want to make sure people know that um particularly because americans were like what what was that so anyway rob thanks so much man this has been a ton of fun i i you know Really appreciate the insights. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time. Both of you. Actually, thank you for being such good sports as well, right? You don't always you don't always get the opportunity for people to be so open. So I appreciate it, man. And I look forward to the next one, okay? We're going to do hypnotherapy. That's the next one. That'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs>